Namaste and Jai Swaminarayan. We've been looking at numerous shastras in this series. This time we'll be diving deep into the Srimad Bhagavad Puran. Of the numerous shastras in our library of Hinduism, Vyasji is considered the OG, the original guru. He is the one who has written most of the shastras in our Hindu library. He wrote the 18 Purans describing the Ishwar avatars and the various devs that control this universe for Bhagwan, of which the 18th Puran is known as the Srimad Bhagwat Puran. Bhagwan Swaminarayan even refers to the Srimad Bhagwat Puran on several occasions during his talks that are referenced in the Shastra of the Swaminarayan Sampradaya, the Vachnamrut. The Srimad Bhagwat Puran consists of 18,000 Sanskrit verses called shloks, split into 12 sections. Each section is known as a skand. Then there are chapters with, within each skand. The Sanskrit verse that we sang at the beginning as a Mangalacharan prayer is from the 21st chapter within the 10th skand of the Srimad Bhagavat Puran. And this chapter where this shlok is, is famously known as Venu Git. Venu means flute and Git means song. So Venu Git is the song of the flute. This specific verse describes Ishvar avatar Shri Krishna Bhagwan entering into the Vrindavan forest while playing harmonious melodies on his divine flute. It's particularly famous and important for many reasons. One being the famous Sant Shukdevji hears it while he's running through the forest. Shukdevji is running from home, finally able to escape lockdown and just wants to get away and not be bound down by anyone or anything. But while he's running through the forest, he hears young students who are gathering logs for their homeschooling class singing this verse along with several others. Ironically, they're singing verses that were taught to them and written by Shukdevji's father, Vyasji. Hearing this verse, Shukdevji experiences an immense amount of joy. Joy that until now, he did not experience even from the knowledge of the Atma, his true self. He thinks to himself, this experience of hearing of the description of Paramatma is even greater than the joy of the experience of the Atma. This is the greatest joy possible. So we have three levels of happiness explained here. The first and the lowest level is where we seek happiness from outside material and objects and achievements. And the second level, one level up, is where we turn inside to focus on the Atma and we experience joy from our true self. And the third level, the highest level, is where we experience immense joy. The joy that Bhagwan has to offer, which is above all other joy. Bhagwan, who is outside everywhere and inside each and every one of us always. So the three levels that we have are the non-Atma, the Atma, and Paramatma. 
the backdrop from where we will begin is the profound spirituality embedded within the simple symbolism of Krishna Bhagwan's life. This becomes uniquely apparent when we approach the two Shastras that describe Sri Krishna Bhagwan's life in detail. First, we have the Srimad Bhagavat Puran, which we'll be looking at over the next few sessions. And secondly, we have the Mahabharat, which we saw in previous sessions. Many scholars of the Srimad Bhagavat Puran and the Mahabharat teach that each of these Shastras represent two different aspects of Sri Krishna Bhagwan. The Srimad Bhagavat Puran describes the first part of Sri Krishna Bhagwan's life, whereas the Mahabharat focuses on the second part of his life. But both describe the two roles that Sri Krishna Bhagwan takes on during two distinct stages of his life. In the Srimad Bhagavat Puran, the first part of Krishna Bhagwan's life, Vyasji focuses on narrating the agricultural setting of Gokul, and in the Mahabharat, he focuses on the urban setting of Mathura. In the Bhagavat Puran, we're exposed to the lush forests of Vrindavan, the field of friends, and in the Mahabharat, we find ourselves in the barren open land of Kurukshetra, the field of enemies. In the Bhagavat, the focus is Krishna Bhagwan's playful pastime. And in the Mahabharat, the focus is his political endeavors. In the Bhagavat, we see Krishna Bhagwan climb onto a kadamba tree while he's playing. And in the Mahabharat, we see him climb onto a chariot during the battle. In the Bhagavat, we see Krishna Bhagwan spending time among gopis, cows, and village folk. And in the Mahabharat, Krishna Bhagwan spends a lot of time amongst kings, warriors, and nobility. In the Bhagavad, Krishna Bhagwan is surrounded by milk and love. And in the Mahabharat, Krishna Bhagwan is surrounded by blood and war. The Srimad Bhagavad Puran shows us Krishna Bhagwan with his flute and peacock feather, the Morli and Morpich. And the Mahabharat shows us Krishna Bhagwan with the conch shell and circular disc the Shank and Sudarshan. This last point is the point of imagery of Krishna Bhagwan that we'll be focusing on and is arguably one of the most famous images of Krishna Bhagwan that we see, him playing the flute. This sacred image of Krishna Bhagwan with his flute is the one we'll be focusing on. Bhagwan Swaminarayan, in describing Sri Krishna Bhagwan, says that in understanding Bhagwan and looking towards Bhagwan's life, Bhagwan's actions may show various roles and stages that we compartmentalize to analyze and understand Bhagwan a little better, but Bhagwan's Swarup is one and the same. It's always unchanged. In the Venugit, Vyasji describes a conversation that ensues amongst the gopis. The gopis vividly personify the flute to the point where they even begin to feel a tad bit jealous. They pose the question to each other, why does Krishna Bhagwan not leave this flute even for one second? Krishna Bhagwan is never seen without his flute. And what did this small piece of wood do 
to be able to enjoy Krishna Bhagwa's company so dearly. There is a Gujarati poem that describes the subtle answers to the gopi's inquiry. It, in it consists of four lines. The first line is, before being able to produce a sweet sound, the flute has to endure a whole lot. The flute has to tolerate. Before it can be sent to Sri Krishna Bhagwan, the flute has to tolerate before it can send people into a musical trance. So first, we'll look at the virtue of tolerance that is necessary to please Bhagwan. Even to live harmoniously in our own homes, a little bit of tolerance is required. The challenge is sort of like if you were to buy a toy train for your child or your young cousin. We go to the store, we dish out the cash, we take the item and bring it home, and then our eyes catch the small fine print on the box that says, batteries not included. Just like any relationship. We made the purchase, but we didn't realize batteries were supposed to be installed. In any relationship, we didn't expect that we had to tolerate. Tolerating is the batteries of any relationship. It's something that we didn't expect was expected of us when we made the purchase. But now, we must insert tolerance into our relationships. Otherwise, just like the toy train, it ain't going to go anywhere. It'll just sit there, collect dust, and eventually get thrown away. The relationship of two depends upon the tolerance of one. Whether it's between siblings, husband and wife, parents and sons and daughters, between grandparents and grandchildren. And now, in this time of COVID-19, when we're spending much more time than required with our loved ones, this virtue of tolerance is actually become a necessity. Sometimes it's us who are tolerating others, and sometimes it's others who are tolerating us. My guru and the guru of BAPS, Mahan Swami Maharaj, insightfully guides us and says, it's we who should be tolerating others instead of others having to tolerate us. What does this mean to tolerate? And how can we learn to tolerate a little bit more? This is explained in the second line of the Gujarati poem. Vagadani vateyene tapakaryata Shiyaro unaroyene chomasunare Vagyapelavasalarine vindavupare Vagadani vate ene tapakaryata Shiaro unaro ene chomasu nade Shiaro unaro en chomasu the three, the three seasons of winter, summer and monsoon The bamboo plant is minding his own business but quickly realizes it has to learn to tolerate the changing weather 
and can't do anything about it. Just like we have to learn to accept the changes that take place outside of us, the things that are out of our control. Sri Krishna Bhagwan says to Arjun in the Srimad Bhagavad Gita, Matra sparshastu konteya, shitoshna sukha dukhada, agama paino nityas, tanstitikshasva bharata. He says to Arjun, tanstitikshasva, learn to tolerate. What does Arjun need to tolerate in the battlefield? Krishna Bhagavan explains, anityaha, everything around you in this world is constantly changing. It's temporary and it's out of your control. Shitoshna agama painoho. Just like the seasons of winter and summer, they come and go. Sukadukada. In the same way, all the joy and sorrow that you feel and experience comes and goes. That's what you need to tolerate. So, there are things out of our control, but our emotions and feelings towards them are the things that are constantly changing and we need to be able to handle them. So Krishna Bhagwan is explaining to us that you can't control what's happening to you, but you can control the reaction of what's happening to you. So don't get too excited when things are going your way and don't get too upset when things are going the other way. One day your mom makes you pizza and chili paneer and the next day she may make you karelanushak. Good things happen, bad things happen. Sometimes you get what you want and sometimes you get what you definitely don't want. The Gujarati poem uses the word nade. In other words, obstacles come and they will come, but they become a challenge and they can be seen as a challenge to improve. Tolerating is a challenge, but it's referred to in our shastras as tap. It's a penance. In other words, you grow from it. Sort of like exercise. If you exercise regularly, that is. Even at home, you can exercise regularly. But it's not the most pleasant experience initially. It's time-consuming. And you're sweating by the end of it. You're tired afterwards. But if you do it regularly with a positive mindset, you know that this exercising is making you stronger. It's making you healthier. So just as penance makes you stronger and exercising makes you stronger, tolerating makes you stronger, just like exercise. We have to gradually try and increase our threshold of tolerance. You have to continuously work on your tolerance muscles, just like exercise. And that's why tolerance, when you think of it positively, is called fortitude. The root word of fortitude is forte, which is a French word and also Italian word, which means strength. Tolerance is for the strong. Even in music notation, when we write a small f, or if you see a small f when you're playing music, the small f means forte, which means when you see this small note, this small letter underneath the note, you have to play that note a little bit loudly or rather, strongly. And if you see two Fs next to each other, that means fortissimo, which means that note needs to be played very strongly. And when you see three Fs next to each other, that's fortississimo, which means very, very strongly. Even in English, when we say, 
playing football is not his forte. But playing video game football is his forte. And during this lockdown, maybe people have turned to learning how to cook. So we would say cooking is not his forte. But eating is his forte. And sleeping definitely is his forte. So during this lockdown, you also may have kids in the house trying to learn an instrument. At least they're trying. But it's still just noise if they're still learning. And sometimes it's excruciatingly painful noise. And all the other people in the house have to, don't have a choice, but they have to up their tolerance levels. And if you're unable to do so, then you may be thinking to yourself, my son or daughter playing this piano is the pandemic. The other pandemic of COVID I can handle. Right now, during COVID-19, to increase our immunity, you may be taking CBD. Wait, I'm not talking about uh, anything else, but I'm talking about vitamin C, vitamin B, and vitamin D. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're thinking, but vitamin C we take to increase it, our immunity. Vitamin B we take to prevent the feeling of fatigue and being tired. Vitamin D we take to strengthen ourselves from within, starting from our bones. So just like when we take vitamins to strengthen ourselves and increase our immunity to the outside factors that may influence us in a negative way, we have to fortify ourselves so we can handle when things don't go our way. The key ingredient that separates tolerating with fortitude and tolerating with self-pity is intent. Fortitude is a trait of healthy people who tolerate out of self-pride rather than feeling forced to tolerate out of self-pity. Manswami Maharaj coincidentally enjoyed playing the flute when he was young. His name at the time of taking diksha and becoming a sadhu was Keshav Jivandas, just as Keshav is one of the many names of Sri Krishna Bhagwan. When Manswami Maharaj was in high school prior to becoming a sadhu, he enjoyed taking part also in the extracurricular activity of boxing. Side note, has it ever occurred to you, why is a boxing ring a square? If it's going to be called a ring, shouldn't it be a round circle? Back to our story. Manswami Maharaj often gives a unique perspective regarding the sport of boxing. To win, you can't just practice giving punches. You have to also practice taking punches. So Mahanswami Maharaj says, the person who wins is not necessarily the person who can give the strongest punch, but often the person who wins is the person who can take the strongest punch. So a boxer doesn't feel any self-pity after being badly bruised during a practice because they know that each and every one of these bruises are the very things that will make me stronger and give me the fortitude to win. So they see these punches that they're taking, the bruises that show up afterwards, after the practice, as a means to become stronger. They see it as fortitude, as a way to become stronger to win. And that leads us to the third line of the Gujarati poem, 
अचानक एक दिने तो कारीगर ने हाथे आवी अंगरा विधाना सरा ने चरे वाग्या पेला वासलरी ने परे अचानक एक दिन ए तो कारीगर ने हाथे आवी अंगडावीन धाना एना सरा ने चढ़े इट्स डिस्क्राइबिंग अ क्राफ्टमैन कमिंग अलॉन्ग खरिंग द बैम्बू प्लांट अपरूडिंग इट एंड टेकिंग इट होम फॉर मोर प्रोसेसिंग एंड देन वॉट हैपन्स टू आर फ्लूट टू फाइंड आउट वेल हैव टू वेट एंड सी इन द नेक्स्ट सेशन Till then, we can try infusing into our mindset the first trait of tolerating, fortitude, tolerating with a positive mindset, by reminding ourselves tolerating is actually a strength, and not a weakness. It's fortitude, not frailty. Till then, Jay Swaminarayan, Namaste and have a nice day. Have a pleasant evening and peaceful evening. Stay safe. Stay strong.